Hi everybody and welcome to the Golders Podcast, where we aim to sprinkle particles of knowledge by engaging and educating. With your co-hosts, father and son duo, Keith and David Mayer. We're excited to have you on this journey with us and we know our wide variety of world-class guests will provide lots of value for our listeners. To ensure you stay up to date with everything we've got going on on the podcast, make sure you subscribe. Today, we welcome on Joe Sargison for the second part of a two-part interview. The first interview was focused around Joe as a person, and in particular, his charity Balls to Poverty. In this interview, we'll be focusing on Joe Sargison, the coach. Just like the first episode, there'll be a lot of information around Joe that people won't know about. We know you're going to enjoy this one. Joe, welcome. Welcome back. Part one of this Joe story was about you as a person, and it gives it a little bit of an insight to you know your history, what you did prior to getting into full-time coaching. But now we come on to part two. Give us your background in coaching. Yeah, I alluded to um, the fact that, that I sort of restarted my career uh, when I was about 27, 28, and went into sport in the early 2000s, started, started teaching and really started my, my coaching journey probably on a more serious basis. But the reality is I actually started coaching in, in 1998, when I did my FA Level 2, I was working down in London at the time outside of the sport industry and was planning to go travelling for a year. Uh, I was about 25, 26, and, and a friend suggested to me that it might be a great idea to, to do your coaching badge because there might be scope to do some coaching in primary schools in Australia and some of the, con- the countries where I was visiting, just as a way of supplementing, supplementing my income, really. So I actually did the, the Level 2 in 1998, at the London FA in the evenings whilst I was working a full-time job. And as part of that was coaching uh, grassroots teams across, uh, across uh, Northwest London. Uh, I actually went back to my, my own school where I was a student in Leeds and did a little bit of work with my sixth form team coach as well, which was fantastic just to accumulate my hours really in order to, uh, to, to pass the qualifications. So, so I had quite a lot of exposure on a voluntary basis, um, quite a lot of evenings where I gave up my time uh, to work across, uh, across the, uh, the junior game. Um, I went traveling. I did work in high schools in, um, in, in Australia and also in uh, primary schools as well to get some more experience and to earn a little bit of uh, pocket money really to keep me ticking over whilst I was traveling out there. And then uh, on, on my return, went to America for the first time, as, as I'm sure so many listeners uh, have, to do some work on uh, summer camps in, um, in the early 2000s, 2001. And that again, that was my, my first sort of experience of coaching in America and being away for six or seven weeks at a time, coaching every single day with kids uh, across uh, Massachusetts, which is a wonderful experience. Um, when I came back, again, around 2002, three, and I'd started working at Not- Nottingham Forest, I was working as administrator and for a year, really, my role was to observe other experienced coaches across all the ages at Forest Academy uh, before I was in a position to actually do some coaching myself with the, uh, the foundation phase group. And it was a brilliant period of learning for me, just observing and picking up uh, little tips and, and, and uh, discussing coaching methodology and just trying to formulate some ideas, whilst also getting a feel for what the club wanted in terms of the way they develop their players. So I did my UEFA uh, B licence. 
after being deemed not yet competent was the the phrase uh, in the day uh, twice I actually actually passed the qualification in 2003 um, which was a, obviously a milestone for me and I'd, I'd worked quite hard really to get it because it didn't come easy to me at all um, and then started the journey at, uh, at the college in Nottingham where um, I was running the performance program so working with uh, under 18 under 19 players three three or four days a week plus a game uh, and, and continue my part-time work in the foundation phase at, at Nottingham Forest so I was getting more experience at this point I've been exposed to uh, the complexities of the game more I was around um, some fantastic coaches um, with, with so much more experience than myself we we actually met in this period as, as well for the first time you were working at the club and, uh, and and this is where I was first introduced to this idea of mentorship without me actually realizing at the time in 2007 I went on to do the uh, to complete my UEFA license so I actually started the course of study in uh, 2005 I think it was I wasn't successful first time round. those dreaded words again deemed not yet competent uh, but it was a brilliant brilliant part of my life and my my coaching experience because uh, in my mind I was in with the big hitters. I was doing the big hitting course, the UEFA license. There was a lot of uh, apprehension around around studying on this course. In some respects, it was a very unique environment to be in at Lillishaw at the time, with an unbelievable um, group of tutors and led by um, a man who was revered by so many, a guy uh, Dick Bate, who who became a, another mentor for me, and. Um, it was, a, it was a difficult time for me because, honestly, I didn't quite feel I was at, at the level. But I knew that, for me, I would be. And it would take, it would take uh, the length of time that it needed to take for me to get there. And, and in not actually passing the exam in the first year, it was the best thing that could have, could have happened to me because it triggered a year and a half of deep, deep learning and study where I was doing 11v11s and phases of play and functional practices every other day with my college players watching more games live and really thinking about the the game in a different way in a way that I never had before and put myself under a degree of pressure I imagine um, in order to accumulate the experience to meet the required standard and and it was a, it's a milestone that I hold very dear because the standard was very high and when I finally was signed off in 2007 it was uh, it was probably the greatest feeling in my coaching coaching career at that point it meant so much. I think in the in the years to follow, um, so many experiences came, uh, as as mentioned in the discussions around uh, around the program. I was running the Bolsa Poverty program. It combined with me travelling down to Lillishaw uh, to do more FA courses. So I did the Academy Manager's License. Um, this was my first ever experience of going abroad. So in, in 2010. Um, Steve Rutter at the time who worked for the FA had, had just, uh, just assessed an Italian coach uh, Gianluca Festa who used to play in this country and um, I'd expressed an interest in going to Italy uh, to do a study visit because Italian was part of the degree that I did at, at university and I wanted to test myself and learn, um, learn about the culture of the, of the club and the country but doing it, doing it in, in, in a different language to, to challenge myself. It was an unbelievable experience. It opened my eyes to um, not just cultural differences, but the hospitality that was shown to me by Gianluca and others at the club uh, was very touching. And it, and it triggered 
a period in my life that's still ongoing now, the best part of the decade to follow of traveling to, to many, many countries around the world, um, visiting clubs, sitting with coaches, watching sessions, discussing our thoughts and ideas, delivering presentations myself to share some of my own experiences. A real passion was ignited off that first visit around travel and ultimately combining the, the, the biggest source of joy in my life, my passions of coaching, travel, different cultures and, and, and using my degrees around language skills as well. After several years, really, of working in academies, I've worked at uh, two, two academies um, in, our, in our country. I worked at Nottingham Forest in the foundation phase and, uh, and then later at Sheffield United, more in the youth development phase and um, a period of time with the youth team. And then getting into more into the world of coach development, working with coaches in a couple of these clubs as well. There, there were opportunities to work with clubs and coaches from different countries um, across South America, um, Italy, uh, Africa, and uh, in, in Oceania as well. So a real mix of experiences from grassroots, the female game, uh, the male game, universities, colleges, academies, um, and, uh, and finally, yeah, senior level exposure as well. In 2016, um, I was very fortunate enough to be selected to do my UEFA UEFA Pro license. It was actually an award called the Elite Coaches Award uh, that started in 2013 and then evolved into uh, completing the UEFA Pro license uh, on the submission of a final um, study visit, which was a, a wonderful opportunity for me. I chose to go to South America. Um, most and yeah, more, more, more specifically to Argentina and Brazil, and have a really good look over a number of years at um, the possible reasons behind their production line of of, of world class footballers. So I had a real good look uh, across five or six visits over two three years at uh, the youth programs, um, methodology and strategies for coaching and developing players uh, across uh, about ten, eleven, twelve different academies across those two countries. And uh, it was a wonderful experience for me. Uh, met some fantastic people again, but it, it started crystallizing some things in my mind around key ingredients to develop uh, elite athletes. And, and the bigger piece for me was wondering whether or not we could model uh, some of these things within our own context in, in England and try and bring some of these things back and, and change the way we work with our players to, to see if we could help give them the edge as well. So it's been um, it's an ongoing process. Um, it's been a wonderful journey to date, but the, now I'm being asked to think about it. 1998, doing my level two on a cold, wet night in London, uh, alongside my full-time job and all the hours of voluntary work um, across the grassroots was the real foundation to anything that I'm currently experiencing in my life. And it was a massive, massive factor and a testament to all those people that do it voluntarily out there uh, the unsung heroes of the industry and um, you know brilliant brilliant grounding for this uh, for this profession what an incredible story you've touched on it so 1998 22 years ago you were on your level two and for those that are listening there's so much to be said about what you've explained you mentioned that you were deemed not competent for UA for B twice you were deemed not competent for the UA for A and now you sat here with your pro license. You've coached on, correct me if I'm wrong, all but one continent. You've traveled to numerous countries. 
to present, to educate, to coach. And I find it fascinating listening to that story, listening to what you've done, listening to your journey and how you've gone about it. And there's a lot to be said for those that are listening that it's not an easy journey. There's a lot of work that goes into what needs to be done to become exceptional at what you do. And for those that know you, they'll know that you're exceptional at what you do. But it didn't just happen overnight. It's something that you've worked extremely hard on. Saj, you're a full-time coach developer with the FA now. What does that role consist of? The, the, the role, I started in uh, December 2014. And um, the role uh, is actually FA Youth Coach Developer. And it was a program that was started a few years prior to that with a smaller group of developers. And I believe it's unique in world football still to this day. It certainly was um, at its conception. Then I joined, um, I joined in, in 2014 and the, the role revolved around working in professional football clubs, um, probably five or six professional football clubs across a region, developing coaches uh, and helping them with their own journey of learning so that they could use that learning to impact uh, the other learners, uh, obviously academy players. And um, that will be anything from the different strands. It will be anything from support on the FA qualifications. Um, so level three and level four, UEFA um, B and UEFA A license qualifications. It would have been the FA Youth Awards that, that were running at the time, the Advanced Youth Award. So it's all the qualifications that these professional coaches would have been undertaking as part of their own uh, professional development. And it was, it was, um, it was trying to customise the delivery of those awards around their own football clubs and the teams are working with and the needs of the players. So it's very much wrapping it around their context rather than bringing them to the football association and having them um, try and uh, try and be um, directed by, by the context of the FA. Um, so it's very much like an, uh, an outreach, uh, what we call in situ work where they will come on residentials um, to receive information and, and interact with the course tutors and uh, experts that come in from, from across industry. And then we as FA Youth Coach Developers will go to the academy and we will work with them during the year um, over a course of, uh, of their study. Um, and really get to know them and get to know their players as well and really get, really get a deeper feel for the coach and how the coach thinks and the strategies they prefer to use. Um, and um, hopefully when the relationship is strong and trust is maintained and understood you're in a position to offer suggestions and different strategies to to try out and experiment with and, and what's crucial here is is all all with the aim of complementing what they already have and adding to what they already have rather than explaining that it should take take the place of what they what they do so it's very much about relationship building to help ultimately the coaches get better but ultimately to help the the players get better through that that coaching expertise. So I'm, I'm, I've been doing it for five and a half years now. Uh, I've been very fortunate enough to work in nine different professionals, uh, professional clubs, uh, a range of clubs, category one clubs, um, category two and category three clubs. Um, so I've had a real, a real, uh, a real look across the, the spectrum and range of clubs in the country, you know, working with some fantastic colleagues and, um, and coaches uh, both in the FA and, and, and across the professional clubs as well. So it's been a real privilege for me and I feel I've taken uh, so much as part of my ongoing journey. Before my last question, 
I did touch on that you've traveled to many continents. You've delivered in many countries to both observe and deliver sessions. Can you share with us what countries you've been to and, and, and also, if you can, some of the clubs you've been to as well? It was funny, I was chatting to a friend of mine the other day, we were reminiscing, we both went to Argentina together in 2011 and we were reminiscing about the impact that these these study visits have had on our lives because many of them I've done by myself but some I've, I've travelled with with friends and coaching colleagues and we've done it together and it's really been uh, very, very impactful. And we're reminiscing and, and I feel I probably spent somewhere in the region of about £50,000 of my own money over the course of a decade, which I probably could have done with spending on other, on other stuff, but um, in order to carry out these uh, the, the, the study visits, and I wouldn't change it for anything because the experiences I've had and the memories have been unbelievable. So I started out traveling to Italy. My degree at university was in languages. Um, it was probably the only thing at school I was any good at was, was, was languages, starting with French um, and Russian. Uh, as a youngster and then I went to university carried on Russian and started Italian from scratch knowing that I'd be living in my third year in Italy more specifically in Naples and that was the the team I supported because of Maradona so I I think I had a very uh, you know very clear passion for travel and different cultures uh, from a very very young age and and obviously a chance to use the skills that that I'd inherited through my degree Um, so I started out in Italy uh, as as I referred to earlier in Sardinia and from there, and through Gianluca Festa, he opened me up to uh, loads of opportunities through his network. Uh, I went to Inter Milan. I've been to AC Milan, uh, Juventus, Napoli, Lazio, Fiorentina. Uh, and the big one in Italy is, is um, Atalanta Football Club, which is very, very close to my heart in particular, um, because since 2010, I've been supporting um, a, a coach education program that they run for community relations with affiliated clubs. Uh, out there so I've probably had 20 visits to Atalanta alone and delivered presentations with um, my colleague out there head of coaching uh, for, for the best part of a decade so I get in addition to that I've been to um, most of the clubs in uh, most of the leading clubs in Holland um, Spain uh, Germany in recent times I had some visits to Scandinavia Japan and and in South America in particular uh, across uh, clubs in Argentina from Boca Juniors and River Plate to some of the lesser known clubs like Huracan and the teams like Argentinos Juniors, uh, Chile, Colo Colo, a team in uh, Colombia, in Medellin called Atletico Nacional. Did a presentation there last year, uh, Millonarios in Bogota. We met with the president, um, been to Uruguay, and um, very fortunate enough to go to Brazil as well and um, to Corinthians and a couple of the clubs in Sao Paulo. Uh, and hopeful, hopefully I'll go to Rio. I think the biggest thing for me is that um, it's opened my eyes in so many ways. It's, it's, it's not just about studying football in different countries and how they do things and the different cultural approaches. It's the people you meet. It's the, the friendships you have. It's the relationships that come of it. You know, most of these guys that uh, help me have these experiences, I'm still in contact with. Um, and, and that's been fantastic as well. But it's the other experience of, of, of tasting life in that particular country. And it's the friendships that you make with the people that you go with. So it's been, um, yeah, a big part of my uh, coaching career, a big part of my life. And I've been very fortunate enough to be invited to present in several of these countries, um, as well as part of the journey. 
Before this interview, I don't think many people will have known that you speak numerous languages. What languages are they? And you've touched on the benefits that they bring and, and I've brought you in the experiences, but can you delve a little bit deeper into that for us? I, I, I mean, my languages were, were French. You know, most, a lot of English, English kids have to do French at school. So I did French from an early age and stuck with it all the way through to uh, A-level. Uh, I did Russian because for some reason my, my state school offered Russian or German in alternate years. I, I did Russian, my sister did Russian, a couple of my mates did Russian and I just enjoyed it. It was quite a funny thing for me to do, but I actually became relatively good at it. Uh, you have to understand I wasn't particularly good at other subjects as well. So these, these things, languages resonated with me from an early age. And then when I went to university, I decided to stick with Russian um, and I started Italian from scratch. Uh, as I said before, knowing that I'd have a period of time living in the country. So I dropped French, um, started Italian, um, and then over time I've been exposed to some Spanish. There are many similarities with Italian and uh, even French in terms of grammar. So I've, I've managed to do a few levels of Spanish and pick up on uh, on the links between languages. I think the what's amazed me really is, is, is just the global nature of the game. I, I, never, I never knew when I was young that I'd end up in football, but through having language skills, it's given me unbelievable opportunities. I actually went when I was 24, um, I went through a, a, an advertising agency, PR and advertising agency based in London that actually ran the official magazine for Roma Football Club. Um, and they were looking for a football fanatic who, who had the language skills to go and live in Roma, in Rome at the uh, training ground. And this was in 1998. So, you know, I had a chance to go out there for a year. I was selling advertising in the uh, official magazine. So I was going around the country having meetings with businesses, but I was often based up at uh, Trigorio, which was the, the training ground and Totti and Cafu, Aldair. Uh, all these players were, were, were floating around. And, um, you know, I never would have had that. I just wouldn't have had that experience, was it not for the fact that I had some level of Italian at the time. And as, as time has gone on and, and as I've embarked on a career um, you know, in, in coaching, the amount of contacts I've had with coaches from overseas, players from overseas, players in academies with, with a limited level of English, where even my poxy A-level French has been called upon, um, even in a recent experience I've had coaching a senior team, out in uh, in Sweden, Ostersunds, uh, the left back was from I from the Ivory Coast, and um, you know I had to uh, to communicate with him the, <laughs> the best way possible in French, even during the game on the touchline, trying to trying to help him with uh, with elements of our, our team tactics in French. It makes me giggle a bit thinking about it now that you know I couldn't possibly have envisaged that any of this stuff would have happened. So, being very fortunate enough to deliver presentations in Italian. Atalanta, they, they place a lot of faith and trust in me. I think actually, um, over a ten-year period, and as I was calculating the other day, probably probably worked with about fifteen hundred Italian coaches over the years. Many of whom I'm still in contact with, and get invited to join them on webinars and things like this. So, yeah, it, it, you know, do we place crucial importance on learning language skills in England? I'm not one hundred percent sure we do. Certainly, it's something that the rest of the world. Uh, has to have as a priority in learning English in order to get on. I find that quite humbling in itself. And of course, the amount of people I've met 
coaches from overseas who have unbelievable levels of English. It's it is something that spurs spurs me on. So I'm very I'm very grateful that you know the the decisions I took as a as a youngster at school, and uh, to be to be using it in in the development of my own coaching career uh, with like minded people who love football uh, is is just a privilege really. Joe, you've got you know loads and loads of experiences traveling South Africa over to South America, over to Italy, to Spain. Look, you've got so much and have gained so much from all of that. Bring your experiences, you know, and experiencing these different cultures and equally the methods of delivery that you've observed. What value has this brought to your own coaching? And now, obviously in your current role, how has it actually bled into your into mentoring and mentoring our coaches over in the UK. You know, you, you can't fail to pick things up as a result of these visits and, and not just the visits, just interacting with coaches that <clears throat> that come on the courses now with the FA and uh, some superb practice going off in academies and, 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 you know, these male and female coaches share their ideas and thoughts. So you're, you're picking up of those ideas as well. Yeah, I think it's been, um, I think all a mixture of all of those experiences have, have shaped the way I feel about coaching and, and possibly the way my thinking has maybe evolved over the years, certainly from that younger man uh, in 1998 at the start of the journey to to where I am in the year 2020. I think the, 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 the big ones for me were probably, uh, in the early days, the styles of coaching that I'd been exposed to. Um, and and used and probably didn't know anything different. Um, I think the big change in some respects now is the is an appreciation and awareness of the variety of styles of coaching intervent, intervention strategies that that are available to an educator to help get messages across, be it to coaches, to learners at school, or um, you know to players themselves. So I think that's been a, a process of trying to really delve deeper into this 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 world of effective communication that's been going on for well over 10 years now and actually forms a huge part of of my beliefs about coaching now i think i think that everything starts with connection uh with with people and and communication of the message i mean the things things you know about of course because the 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 things that you 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 talk about so so strongly in the book in in the book Goldust and I think it's been a a really useful guide on 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 those things in particular I think also the importance of practice design for me I think uh, when I think back to some of my early practices as a a less experienced coach uh, and I would have to question whether they were close to the game or close enough to the game, were they, were, they, were they realistic enough and linked to the game and the demands of the game of football? Uh, and I'm thinking out loud about things like possession practices where the team with the ball massively outnumbered the team without the ball. Um, and I think some of my thoughts over time have changed to start thinking, well, actually, in certain parts of the field, you're, you're often outnumbered, the team in possession. Uh, certainly higher up the field, more often than not you are, and if players can't handle the ball when they're under a degree of pressure and outnumbered, uh, then the ball's always going to bounce away and, and we're going to turn the ball over and have transition. So I've started thinking more in recent years around um, making sure that my practice design links in with the realities of the game of football in different areas of the field. 
um, all all as part of helping players acquire the skills that they need to play the football at an elite level. I think as part of that, not being afraid to experiment with uh, putting players in more pressurised situations and, and and almost almost being content with creating a little bit of chaos for them to help them with their problem solving. Um, certainly, some of my experiences in South America. Uh, the communities that I went into, the environments I went into, the the resilience and toughness of uh, some of the South American young players had a massive uh, a massive impact on my thinking around the environments that we create to develop robust players that uh, are strong in all areas of the development, psychosocially, physically, technically, tactically, and um, that that's had a massive impact on my thinking as well. But you know, you can never, for me, you can never go too far away from the game. You know, at the heart of all of these discussions, and there are many, many other parts to the coaching mix um, as well. But in the heart of it is game understanding. You know, the game of football, the principles of play, the principles that drive our decision making around being in possession, being out of possession, and the moments of transition within the matches and set plays. You know, it's the heart of everything. I think back to how I would have thought uh, the, the levels of depth around my thinking, you know, back in the day compared to now, uh, poles apart. And the great thing about that is, and, and, and you, as you meet more and more people, much more experience in yourself, you realise that I don't think that journey ever, ever ends. You know, it's a continuing process of learning about the game as the game evolves, watching teams employ different tactics and strategies to, to, to play the beautiful game. Uh, we come across things that, we think are unique and original in the modern game that, that actually, if you look through history, have, have been done in many, many years before us and the, almost the recycling of different ideas that different coaches and practitioners bring to life is, is, is a thing that fascinates me as well. So it's an ongoing process of learning. Um, being around fantastic people is, is absolutely crucial. And to touch on the recent experience that you've had working abroad, how is that being used in your current role as an FA coach developer? Well, it was recent. It took place between June and November uh, in 2019. So it was only for half a season, just uh, just under half a, uh, half a season. I got back in November and, the, and being back at the FA in, uh, in, in the role there. So uh, I think it's certainly a magnificent experience for me. It was very, very tough at times because unfortunately the club was going through um, some difficult uh, periods financially, quite well documented, certainly out there in Sweden. So um, you know, still, still some tough situations around the club. So we had to, we had to try and work through that with the players. Um, so that was a brilliant experience because it, it, you know, linking in with previous discussions, it, you know, I felt that the contribution I could make meant that to dip into the resources and experiences that I'd had uh, in the previous twenty years to try and to try and help make a, a meaningful contribution to help the players through the period to hopefully get the results that they needed. Bringing back those experiences to, to my role at the FA, it's been good to uh, have chats, just informal discussions with coaches about uh, the experience of working abroad, about different styles of football that you get in different countries to maybe to ours, uh, you know, working with multinational, uh, multinational team, multinational group of players you know, from the, from the Ivorian coast player to, you know, Nigerians to Swedes to English, Belgians, you know, the real mix of players from all over the world. And it's, and it's been, it's given me a chance to 
bring the experiences back to my own coach education and try and link things up from top to bottom. So almost starting with the end in mind and seeing how, say, foundation phase, youth phase and professional development phase can link into the senior elite end of the game and the, the, the requirements of some of these young players to prepare themselves for the, the, the demands of that elite game. Uh, having experienced it myself now, it's probably given me a bit more clarity around what that journey could look like. In your own coaching journey, Joe, can you shed some light into how you've evolved over the years as a coach and a man? Hopefully, I've probably got more of a, probably just become a little bit more worldly, if that's the word, you know, more of a, a global outlook and perspective. You know, it's not just about me uh, in my environment. It's not just about... England, you know, it's a big planet with lots of people who've got so much to contribute. I think it's exposed me to that and and, and I would hope that that's had a, a big impact on my thinking and, and, and hopefully the way that rubs off on other people. I think some of the, uh, the experiences I've had working with um, young players and learners in, um, you know, both in the UK and abroad has helped me become a better decision maker, probably develop awareness levels around myself and my my skills that I have, but also the skills that maybe I don't have and there are areas where I need to improve. I would I would hope I'm a an honest person and, and, and loyal. You mentioned hum, humble earlier. I, you know, I think that's part of your upbringing. I, I don't, you know, I think it's, um, I don't necessarily think it's a fantastic thing. I think it's probably something that comes from uh, my upbringing and, you know, we don't necessarily shout out about, you know achievements and things like that but but I think it does hopefully keep me grounded you know I'm very respectful of the people that have helped me get on that journey for sure and continue to do so and I think uh, you know as a man I just hope uh, you know in some way all these things have combined to make me a, a good person um, a trustworthy person and you know somebody that's that's happy to share the experiences that I've had with others you know I've been very very, very fortunate in my life, not just, just with the upbringing I've had from my own parents and the, the quality of friendships uh, in my life, the colleagues that I've had over the years. Obviously, there's so many of them, it's very difficult to, to mention them individually. But from uh, my most recent experiences, you know, in Ossesons at the FA, right the way back to the project in South Africa, you know, I've, I've, I've had some unbelievable colleagues that have shared the journey and done so much to help us all get to where we needed to get to and of course you know I've had mentors you know you you want you you for one Keith and opened me up to this concept of mentorship when you saw something in me that I didn't see in me at a very young age and and you know the support you've given me over the years and 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 the other one um you know Dick Bate from the Football Association who uh, passed away recently but stays with us in our minds and, uh, you know, in the way that we coach, you know, even now. So, you know, mentoring and having good people around you, not being afraid to turn to people for help and advice and support um, is a crucial, crucial uh, thing. And, and hopefully as I've got older, I've realised that more, you know, to, to reach out and challenge people's views, but to be respectful of the way people think as well. So that ultimately we can stick close to our overall goal, which is, 
you know, to be the best we can be and, and ultimately to help uh, youngsters get good at, good at football and, and coaches to, to be better at coaching. That's, that's, that's what it always was. And, you know, we have to keep our eyes on that one. That's what it should be. Final question for you, Sarge. You've worked across all age groups. You've worked in many different levels. So you've gone from foundation through to first team. You've gone academies, colleges, You've done the full scope, different countries as well. And as a coach, mentor and developer, knowing what you know, what skills do you believe a coach needs to have to be able to develop players across all different ages of the game? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. It's, it's, uh, it's not one that you can answer easily for me. It's, uh, it's quite complex. There's a number of things. But at a very fundamental level, you know, I believe that coaching is about communication and I also feel and we talked about this earlier I feel that you know in order to com communicate effectively you have to try and establish some form of rapport or connection with whoever you're with and, and of course that can take a lot of time depending on the nature of the relationship or, or it doesn't take that that long at all depending on the nature of the relationship but for me it, it, it needs to be established it needs to be understood because that that's the gatekeeper to then being able to communicate your message. So I think there are fundamental skills that are crucial to the art of coaching. Um, you could put things like the range of intervention strategies, styles of coaching into that if you wanted. Um, you can start talking about things that um, you know, I know that you refer to in, in, in the book, you know, things like physiology and matching rapport and, you know, picking up on clues that people are giving you through non-verbal relationships as well. I think all these things are crucial. And then obviously knowledge, you know, game understanding is crucial. This is, this is, this is fundamentally the thing that drives um, our ability to coach the game is understanding it, the, the depths of it, all its complexities, the different styles in which it can be played and brought to life is massive. I think the practice design, as I said before, that links to the game uh, it's got to look like the game is 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 big. Um, I think that coaches have to have, uh, you know, basic life skills, honesty, loyalty, uh, and the flexibility to be able to to deal with a range of people. Because uh, whether you're working a, a, with you, young players, where um, it might be their vehicle, football might be the vehicle through which they interact with other people, uh, maybe a grassroots level. You have to have the flexibility to understand that and, and, and make it fun and enjoyable so that, that, that it's meeting their needs right the way through to a senior level. The flexibility to understand that you know some players might be going through a tough time in their life because they're not being selected or they're not playing well and they're feeling the pressure and you have the empathy to, uh, you know, to work with them on an individual case as well. So there would be just some of the, the many skills that are needed, but everything starts for me with knowing the game, connecting with humans and communicating your messages with clarity. Thanks, Sarge. All those that have listened will agree that you've shared some incredible stories, brilliant insights, and a wealth of knowledge over the past two episodes. And your story is amazing. What you've done from where you were, not thinking about going into coaching to where you are now, is it's fantastic. And I thank you for coming on. It's I've known you for 15 years, so the more than half of my life, and it's been a, an honour to have you on. And I'm sure, my dad will echo that now too.
Yeah, I've been very fortunate to have you in my life for 17 years, Joe, back in 2003, when I had a little conversation with your mum and your dad outside the academy building. And it just so happens as you, you know, you've, you're on the journey, you're doing such a wonderful thing where you're touching so many people's lives, where you've, where you've touched thousands of lives when you were over in South, uh, South Africa. Now you're touching many, many people's lives from a coaching perspective over here and beyond our, our boundaries. Listen, mate, I've got to thank you for coming along, for sharing your, your words of wisdom, your knowledge and your understanding of the, of the game. It's in depth. And I, it's, it's not a question I'm posing to you, but I want you to be curious around the following. For what you've got now, I wonder what it'll be in another 17 years' time. The experiences and understanding of the game and knowledge. And just knowing you as I know you, you'll, you'll continue to, you know, to strive for further knowledge. And for those that are going to be in your presence, oof, how good is that going to be? Joe, thanks very much again. Take care and be safe. Thanks, uh, Keith, David. Appreciate you know this opportunity to to discuss things with you. It's been some. It's been nice reminiscing. You know, and good luck with the the book and the podcast. And uh, see you soon. Thanks for tuning into the Golders podcast today. If you enjoyed this episode and you haven't already subscribed, please do so. Your continued support is highly appreciated and it means so much to us knowing that the content that's being produced is providing value in people's lives. If you would like to know more or get more information from us, you can follow us on Twitter at Gold Dust Podcast. And also you can visit our website at thegolddustcoach.com. Thank you, everybody. <laughs>